doing well. And I'm curtsying right now, but you can't quite see it because it's only audio. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tribunal of the Greeter. We talk about all things Power Rangers, including the actors that play them. My name is Brandon. I am Lena. I'm Will. And today, we have a very exciting episode coming to you today. We are joined by a very, very legendary person who was actually playing the younger version of a ranger. Please give a warm welcome to Young Rocky, Mike Olaski. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. I hope there's a there's a roarish applause in the background. Um, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Mike, let's just go ahead and get this interview popping. So Sounds good. when you when you when you first started everything, you were pretty young. Like you were like a kid kid getting started with everything. How did you even get started with martial arts? Like did that just come up or how did that happen? Well, when it comes to martial arts, um, I, you know, kind of my standard answer is that I don't really have a memory where I didn't do martial arts. Um, I grew up uh, with a father who was a Green Beret in the military um, and his boy was going to know how to fight. <laughs> so, <laughs> In fact, I mean, some of my earliest childhood memories are, are of me doing martial arts in places. So whenever somebody asks that, I don't really have a good or compelling ad answer except for that I always did. Um, I, the standard retort is that I've been kicking since I can walk. Um, my dad says that he got me started in Tang Sudo at about two or three years old. And uh, wow. basically, I've been doing it ever since there, ever, ever since then. Wow. Wow. And how many of how many martial arts do you know? Because I, I see you do like a lot of uh, stuff with like weapons and stuff like that. How many actually standard standard martial arts do you know? Um, well, I'm I'm competent in teaching over seventeen different styles of martial arts. Um, I have instructorships in about seven of those. Last time I counted. Okay. Um, as far as like martial arts that I am able to do, uh, I, I would say the list is is pretty endless. Uh, one of the great things wow. about having such a background in so many different styles of martial arts is that you tend to adapt to new martial arts styles pretty quickly. Just like if you learn one language that is Latin-based, you can kind of start to communicate in different languages. Martial arts tends to be very much the same thing because, you know, there's only a certain, certain many ways that you can punch somebody in the face. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Got you. All right. So when you when you've been learning, you've pretty much been learning martial arts all this time. How did the acting thing come about? Acting was sort of a product of martial arts. Uh, about okay. when I was six years old, um, I was winning Japanese jiu-jitsu tournaments. Uh, at about six years old, I was competing in uh, Japanese throwing tournaments with people who were about twelve to thirteen because I was too young. Uh, for an actual age bracket. So I was competing with kids that are that were about twice my age and, and basically winning against them. Um, I've won at, the, at about that age, between that age and about eight to nine years old, I had won about six world titles in Japanese throwing martial arts. Um, and, you know, in the early 90s, when you start winning competitions that much and as regularly as I was competing and winning, um, people start coming up to you and they start like saying, hey, maybe you should get into movies, right? Because you know, we all remember the early 90s. They were kind of like the pinnacle of uh, martial arts movies, action right. films, Van Damme, mm -hmm. Schwarzenegger, all that stuff. 
So you didn't really need a ton of acting credentials to get into it as long as you were a stellar martial artist, which, um, you know, I worked hard and I, I happened to be. Uh, so, you know, I met a few people uh, hooked up with a manager and, uh, and they started sending me out for like, you know, auditions. And I sort of had to learn on the fly there. I had a lot of auditions for, you know, mainly commercials and stuff earlier on. Uh, but if you look at the bulk of my resume, even now as an adult, you know, the majority of the stuff that I've worked on that I get is they're, they're all martial arts related in some way. Um, so I, I don't know what that says about my acting acumen. I like to think that, I, that I'm well versed in the art, but uh, I, tend, I tend to score most of the roles uh, that are martial arts related. And that's kind of how Power Rangers came along. Got it. Okay. Okay, well, that, that actually makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So when you, now I know this was a long time ago, and you were a kid and everything, but do you remember your actual audition process for Power Rangers? Yeah, the, the audition for Power Rangers was very similar to how it is now. Um, they they okay. pretty much do a bulk cattle call um, for oh, wow. basically all hands on deck. Uh, whoever wants to audition can audition, whether they have um, a manager or an agent or not, they can self-submit. Self um, I happened to have, I think, just a manager at the time, and uh, she submitted me. And uh, originally, the part called for a lot more action. They were very much looking for very competent, uh, very screen-worthy martial arts. And that was at the time when uh, you know it's just they were auditioning still within the first the first season and that was the time where you know the early 90s parents scare of kids being violent in school because of power rangers came along so even mm -hmm. though i was casted for you know this martial arts acumen that i brought to the table um unfortunately they had to sort of pull back the reins a lot on what the kids can do based on the fact that mothers were getting really mad at uh, at older brothers hitting younger brothers or, or what have you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Got you. Wow. So basically, and so basically what you're saying is like when it first all started, like they were, you, you, were, you were initially supposed to do a lot more, but then it kind of just became, when you actually got to it and you were actually casted, they kind of like pulled back and just had you do a lot more like slapstick humorous type fun type of stuff as far as like the choreography and the fight choreography and everything absolutely yeah i mean the whole the whole idea of the power rangers when they get shrunk down into little kids was uh that they were able to that they kept all of all of their skills as an adult um so they they originally planned oh. for much more action heavy um you know even we we sort of bent a couple rules um the actor who played bulk, bulk paul schreier I think that's how you say his name. Um, he directed my episode of getting the seal crystal, and he really fought for you know me still going into the volcano and and me pulling out the zeo crystal. But originally, that whole script was much more action heavy. I was supposed to be dangling over hot lava with like the rope burning from the bottom and all that stuff. Oh, wow. It was supposed to be really cool, but unfortunately, wow. um, you know. Mothers Against Power Rangers, or whatever that group was called, <laughs> um, they, they kind of stormed the set and they they put a they put a uh, pin in that. Uh, you know, even in our first appearance, that first uh, first time Rangers back in time in season two, uh, that whole fight scene right. with, the, with the putties was supposed to be like an elaborate, pretty awesome fight scene, and 
they had wow. to pull the rings, and all we got to do was throw uh, throw handballs at putties, which is <laughs> <laughs> that's not cool. wow. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer, especially for somebody like me who uh, who obviously trained very long time in the martial arts, even at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And we're talking; I'm probably about 11 years old at that point. Um, mm. And uh, you know, my idols are Bruce Lee, and especially in the early 90s, you had Jackie Chan. And mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to do all my own stunts because I wanted to be exactly yeah. like him. And uh, yeah, that, that that didn't work out well. I got to throw my own handballs, but didn't really get to do any of that. Dang, Right? I mean, I think it was a really good. It was a really good um, idea. It just wasn't the right time for it that's why i always say you know uh that the the power rangers turning into young rangers really set the stage for a future young ranger to come along um you know everybody has their own uh their own opinion on how that how that actually went but um i think that it was a it was a really actually action heavy production at first but they they had to pull it in got you yeah i feel like more than likely with now knowing this I think that probably if had it happened like years down the line, yeah. you probably would have been able to do it versus, mm-hmm. you know, versus when it actually happened. Yeah. But I also think that it has, it has a lot to do with popularity as well. You know, when I was on Power Rangers, it was the number one television show for mm-hmm. kids in the world. Like it was right. just absolutely insane. Um, but you know, when the popularity starts dying down, um, you, you're, you know, people care about you less, um, and you're able to get away with a lot more. So, mm. you know, if Power Rangers was still at the height of its at, at, of its popularity. You know, maybe they would have they would have run into some roadblocks uh, um, during that turbo season as well. I have no idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can kind of see that actually. Um, okay, so after you won the role of Young Rocky and everything, do you remember what your first day of set was like? My first day of set was uh, was very confusing because um, I'd been on set before. I had a few small roles. I had a few commercials, but commercials are very difficult or different than um, than theatrical roles uh, like right. a long-term role on, on Power Rangers. I just remember personally, you know, I mean, I'm an 11 year old in the command center of the nation's number one television show. It is the biggest thing on television and it's targeted at the age range that I actually am. Um, mm. So my main concern was not just to make a complete idiot of myself um, and break something by doing something <laughs> stupid and playing with the command center, center buttons. Um, they were they were very strict on where we can stand and, and what we can and can't touch. Um, so I was just I was just making sure that you know I was as professional as possible because there's all these adults with adult jobs and I'm just you know an 11 year old living the dream playing make believe on the set of Power Rangers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That actually that's a very mature mindset to be in like that. I, I would have imagined you probably, as a kid it would been like the opposite. It's like, oh, yeah, wow, well, like, you know, when you have a when you have a father who has a green beret, as we talked about earlier, he can crack the whip pretty hard on you and make sure that you're uh, that you're yeah. towing the line. 
Um, oh, no, you my, got my a point. Dad was, uh, <laughs> my dad was very supportive, although, although strict. Uh, one of the things that's important for a child actor to know is that, you know, even though it's fun, even though it's a fun job, it's still a job. And the only reason right. why you're there is because you can behave yourself and you can do good work. And if you don't, then, you know, they're going to they're going to kick you out, hire somebody else. And and guess what? It's, it's back to it's back to school, <laughs> back to real school. And, um, right. <laughs> you know, when you when you say, would you want to be a red power ranger and do school on set or do you want to actually go to a real school? You know, I think that's a very good motivator for uh, for for behaving on set. <laughs> right, right. So when you were on Power Rangers, how, how was it with you being in school and everything? Were you like homeschooled or did you, how did that work? So when it comes to productions for, um, for child actors, uh, there are very strict rules um, as to how long we can work and how long we have to be on school. So we can only be, we can only be on set for, or work on set for a total of six hours. Um, but we also okay. have a mandatory three to four hours of private tutoring every day. Um, so what they would do is they would basically just hire a teacher, a private, uh, private tutor. Um, and rather than going to school for like, you know, five hours a day or however long kids go to school nowadays, I've been out of it for a while. But uh, <laughs> um, instead of going to school for all that time, you get kind of like an intense one-on-one coach that's just there to kind of drill your your academics into you. Um, so, you wow. know, we do go to school, we go to school a lot. And if you have good parents, they make sure that you're actually doing the schooling. A lot of the fault when it comes to child actors is that parents play it loosey goosey with the rules and, you know, they don't get all their childhood academics into play. And then, you know, they end up successful child actors, but they don't really end up successful adults, if you know what I mean. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because some some people don't know um, continents, yeah, <laughs> apparently. <exactly>. Some, <laughs> some young actors, <laughs> some young child actors. Um, <laughs> we're not gonna go there. Uh, <laughs> so after you did that episode in season two, um, the the one where you returned back in the little kids, um, and then they asked you to come back in season three for much longer with Alien Rangers. Um, were you shocked or how, how, how did you feel about that when they asked you to come back for that? You know, when you're living in the moment um, as a kid, as a child actor, shock is, shock is not really a, a word that best describes it. Um, I think when, when I look, at, look back at it now as an adult, um, uh, you can really realize in, in, in hindsight how lucky you are um, to have parts like that expand uh but as a kid you know I'm, I'm auditioning a lot i'm going to school i'm doing all my stuff basically what just happened is my dad walked in one day and was like hey it looks like they rebooked you for power rangers for you know a full contractual season um so good for us and i was like yay that was that was pretty much it um there wasn't a level of shock it was just something that i especially had at that time i had been used to being on set whether it be um, features and movies or um, hundreds of, of television commercials so it for me at that age it was just it was just another booking um, but now you know when mm. you look back at it and you look back at the stuff that was important to people um, you see how like Power Rangers is is a force for good in so many people's lives 
um, I, I, I can definitely look back now at the whole picture and see how, how just lucky I am to have been part of so many different people's childhoods, you know. I go to comic book cons a lot and you'd be surprised at how many times people come up to me and they're like, hey, you know, your part in Power Rangers or Three Ninjas, it got me involved in martial arts. And, you know, I own a martial arts school today or, you know, my kid's going to be a black belt one day. It's just, it's such a humbling experience. I'm so grateful of it, um, especially looking back at it now. Wow. Wow. Because it's, it's strange because, like, I remember when, like, I first even saw you um, before. I, I think it was, like, I think you maybe you've already done a con or something like that before, but, uh-huh. like, you were still pretty new to it. And I remember seeing you, and I'm like, wait a minute. He looks so familiar, but I can't place where he's from. Because, <laughs> obviously, I remember when you were, when you were a kid. Right. I'm just like, wait a minute. How does he look so familiar? And then, like, I looked up the name, and I'm like, holy crap. That's young Rocky. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, wow. it's a it's a lot of fun, and you know, it, it, it was a lot of fun for a lot of people to see their favorite Power Rangers as kids for the first time, and uh, and you know, still taking up the mantle and doing heroic things as opposed to just you know, uh, being teeny weenies running away from monsters. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Are there any special memories that you remember at all from set? Like maybe um, being with the actual actors, the, the adult versions of yourselves. <laughs> like we got to we got to meet the actors um, fairly infrequently, albeit briefly. Okay. Um, mainly because we were playing the younger versions of them. There was no really need, no real need to have them on set a lot. Right. Um, so like we, we worked with each other, uh, briefly, uh, for like a day or two, but for the most part, uh, we didn't get the, we didn't get the real luxury of hanging out with them and getting to know them. Not, not to say that they, you know, they probably wouldn't have wanted to hang out with a bunch of 11 year olds anyways. Right. I mean, we're talking 21 year olds over here, um, <laughs> playing, sure. playing 17 year olds. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I, I, I get to talk to them uh, a lot now. I get to see them on cons now. I see them pretty frequently. Um, and uh, it's, it's fun to kind of talk and chat about, you know, how, how little I was versus, you know, how, how big I am now. <laughs> um, I would say some good memories are, uh, I mean, just being in the command center, that first iconic command center that, that everybody knows, pretending to look up at a floating head when it was just like a blue tube. Um, that was that was a pretty cool experience. Um, getting fitted for the uh, original communicators, that was a cool one. I still have a couple of those original communicators from the set, the prop guy let me keep. Um, it's, by the way, if there are any kids listening right now, it does pay to be a cool kid and uh, listen <laughs> to the adults, especially if you're ever on set because the cool kids get to keep the memorabilia from the movie sets, mm-hmm. just so you know. Um, so be cool. Oh, wow. Don't be a pill. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there was a time where they closed. Uh, there's a so one of you lives in Los Angeles. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Brandon. So um, Brandon was probably aware of uh, of the water park, Raging Waters, and uh, how prolific it was in our childhood. Um, as far as water parks go. And uh, it was basically the, the biggest water park in, in Los Angeles. Every summer it opened up. Every kid wanted to go there. Um, probably one of the cooler memories was that they closed down the entire park uh, for just the kids to shoot a whole episode in. Um, wow. So for me, growing up in Los Angeles, wow. uh, that was like a big deal. 
And then afterwards, they, they turned down all, all the water slides. And it was basically just, you know, us five kids and a couple crew guys um, running around the park, not having to wait many lines, just sliding down all the water slides. So it's a pretty unique memory. <laughs> Depend on their, their wiles and their martial arts acumen and their smarts to get things done because they couldn't morph. Um, and I think what really ended up happening in, in that defanging of the, of the snake, so to speak, was that you got uh, you know a fun, silly show, which is awesome, um, but you really could have had something special, I think, especially considering my martial arts talent as a kid um, and the the kid who played the White Ranger, Michael Gatto, um, he was a he was a stellar martial artist as well, and I think we really could have done some cool stuff on that show if they let us. And they completely, um, you didn't actually film anything with the fights, right? Um, it was always just like a, a funny scene? Yeah, so I don't think that there would be any, um, there might be some secret footage out there um, of, of us doing stuff and trying stuff. But from, uh, if my memory co recalls correctly, uh, there were the actual like sensors and the people on set telling the director oh, wow. what they could and couldn't do. They were like right there with clipboards <laughs> wow. and, uh, and pencil skirts, just like, scrutinizing everything that we did and if it was too if they thought it was too violent or dangerous um they they didn't even let us film it um okay so yeah i mean it would have been it would have been a lot of fun but it is what it is and i got what i got um you know woe is me to be on the nation's number one television show be the envy of every kid and, and to ask for more but uh i think that if i could have changed anything in the past it would have been that just to go full tilt and let the young rangers be young rangers. Would you come back if the opportunity presented itself? Um, I was in talks with some people for season 28. Um, there's some non-disclosure agreements going on there uh, about what I can and can't say. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would be interested in coming back if it were an interesting part, I would say. Um, but I'm not too interested in coming back for just kind of like a bit part or a throw off piece or whatever. It just, I've got, you know, I love the franchise and it would be fun to come back, but if it was something just small or throwaway, you know, I've got, I've got a family, I've got businesses that I've got to run. I really couldn't dedicate the time to, you know, fly out to New Zealand or what have you and get it done. But if it were yeah. a cool part, um, right. and, uh, you know, the character was awesome. I, I would definitely love to come back and bring that whole thing full circle. <laughs> That would be fun. Got you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's pretty dope. Now, I, I know you said that you have some NDAs. I know all about the whole NDA business. However, did they already tell you what it was? Can you answer that? Like, can, did they already tell you what the part was or, or are y'all just in talks? Um, well, we're in, we're in talks, but um, okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I don't know how much I can say. What I will say is this, that there are probably gotcha. much more po popular Power Rangers than me that they're likely to go with if I can plant that seed out there and you guys can do with whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> Got you. That's Got fair. you. Yeah, because I honestly, when they announced that it was going to be dinosaurs again, I kind of already had a feeling they're probably mm. going to bring some old Rangers back. <laughs> they could. You didn't hear that from me. I didn't say that. I'm just saying. Well, no, you didn't. You didn't. Yeah, I'm just saying there's more popular rangers that they can choose to work with. <laughs> well, this is fair. 
<laughs> right. Um, so switching gear a little bit, um, I just wanted what encouraged you to open your own gym? Um, you know, I think that the idea of teaching and owning a martial arts gym is sort of the life cycle of a martial artist in general. Mm. Um, so it, it wasn't really much more of a decision, but just as me as fulfilling a legacy of a lifelong um, martial artist and a lifelong martial artist before me. Uh, I started martial arts, obviously, really young. Um, I had some major entertainment successes with martial arts uh, throughout my younger years from, you know, the ages of six years old to the ages of 20. Um, I got uh, into more applicable styles of martial arts, fighting styles of martial arts, mixed martial arts, um, and I became the warrior in that kind of mindset. And then there kind of comes a point in every martial artist's life where being a warrior anymore, your body's just not going to continue to work with you in that respect. Um, and then at that point, you are the teacher of the warriors. And that's where I'm leading on to now. Uh, my, my whole plan for my life, uh, a martial arts school, has been my retirement plan. I, I expect to be a 90-year-old old man with, you know, a Fu man shoe sitting on a chair pointing my cane at, at, at people and, and telling them what to do. Um, so it's more or less just <laughs> fulfilling that kind of life circle of an athlete slash martial artist. Um, so we opened the Ranger Academy. We have a private academy in Burbank, California, which is mainly used to um, train small semi-private groups as well as uh, celebrity privates and stuff like that. And uh, we opened up the Ranger Academy here in Pleasant Grove, Utah, um, where we teach all different styles of martial arts to all comers, whether it be kickboxing, kids, um, weapons, grappling. I mean, we do it all. And, uh, you know, I give my heart and soul every day to those, to those kids and adults that come in, and, and I hope that they see it. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that actually leads into my next question. Like, what age range for your classes? Like, is there a cutoff where you're just kind of like, we accept all? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I recommend the kids program. Um, kids start from ages about five to about 15. Once people turn about 15 to 16, um, they, they're going to start to want to uh, gravitate to more of a uh, gym atmosphere as opposed to a martial arts atmosphere. Uh, you know, there are two t different types, especially nowadays, of martial arts programs. One's a very strict martial arts program. Um, with a lot of rigid rules and curriculum and belts and things like that. Um, but then there's also a more gym atmosphere for the more MMA-oriented mind, as are what most adults are into, because most adults don't like being told what to do uh, by, by somebody. Um, so I, my gym is basically earlier on in the day. It's, it's that kind of like um, that Buddhist mecca, um, you know, Mr. Miyagi style teaching kids martial arts. And then once those, once those six o'clock kids get out of that class, it turns over into a uh, much more applicable gym atmosphere for adults. And, uh, you know, and adults, we take basically all comers, um, every age range, shape, size. We have, we have students that are, you know, in retirement, 65 years old, and we have kids who are 16 and, and, you know, maybe want to compete in the UFC someday and we'll take them all as, you know, as long as, as long as they're safe and, and the doctor's cool with them, we will take them. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, do you have like a favorite style uh, that you prefer over everything else? Cause I know you obviously do a lot of different type, um, 
That's a yeah, I mean, that's, that's a real good question. Um, God, I feel like that's kind of like asking a, a parent to choose a favorite kid. Um, <laughs> it really depends on, it really depends on your mood, I would say. Um, you know, I had uh, broken my hand in an MMA fight and been out of the fighting game for about two years. Do you oh. ask two, year, two years ago me, um, I would definitely say like a catch wrestling uh, style, um, like, a, like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. with a Western wrestling emphasis. Uh, since that handbreak, and I've been on, on rehab for that, um, for that amount of time, I've been really getting into uh, Western fencing styles, like, uh, like European historical fencing. Um, it's basically just like regular fencing, except for they use period accurate rapiers. So, you know, instead of like a, a fencing foil that is, uh, that is very bendy and, and super light, you're, you're talking about like a five pound, 42 inch long rapier. Um, that you're trying to play stab tag with somebody with, um, and that's oh my uh, God. that's that's a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of fun with that uh, of late. But see now, you know, I'm I'm training for a fight in January. I'm looking to punch my friend uh, Blake Foster in the mouth in January, and um, and uh, so I've been starting to get back into that MMA cycle. I've been uh, studying a lot of boxing footwork, um, a lot of smaller opponents, and and trying to use my, uh, my martial arts talents in a, in a different way. So, I mean, that was a very long way to say, you know, it really just depends on my mood and what I'm training for and what I'm into, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing to prepare yourself for your fight with Blake? Because I know you're smaller than Blake, obviously, by a lot, and height-wise and everything. So um, the fight with Blake Foster is going to be a real fun, interesting test of my martial arts acumen. And I'm really excited about it because, you know, I, my, I, I've won five MMA titles. Four of those MMA titles have been at welterweight, which is 170. And one of them has been at 155, which is lightweight. Um, so fighting Blake in January, we are going to be doing the light heavyweight. Uh, division, which is 205 pounds. So Blake has to lose about uh, about 20 pounds, um, and I have to gain about 35. Oh, wow. So, Whoa. Yeah. So, uh, so what we're looking at is we're looking at a lot of uh, boxing, uh, boxing, uh, like systems, boxing, uh, what, what word am I looking for? Strategies. Um, for people who are small for their weight class. Um, so, you know, look at people like, like Mike Tyson, um, Lomachenko, stuff like that. These are people who are very active on their feet and very small for their weight class. Uh, so you'll probably be seeing a lot of combinations coming out of them, um, adding obviously kicks and grappling. Because, you know, when you take somebody down and you hit them with a planet, everybody's the same size when they're lying on their back. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. True. So when you actually, so, so just to take one step uh, back a little bit, um, when you first started doing M M MMA, how did that come about? Did you just, like, did you just wake up and just be like, you know what, I, I want to do this? Or was this always something you always wanted to do? You know, kind of. And I never, I mean, putting it that way makes it sound so trivial, so I probably wouldn't use those words. But actually, I mean, that's, that's pretty much a good way to explain it. Um, you know, when I, when I started getting into the MMA circuit, started training to do M MMA, I was pretty much at an age where I was like, well, if you don't do it now, 
you're never mm -hmm. going to be able to do it. It's mm -hmm. not going to get any easier. Um, so that's when I really just delve into it head first and, and made sure that it was a part of my life because, you know, when I, when I grew up, there wasn't, when I was really young, like Power Rangers young, there wasn't really a safe way for people to test out the martial arts moves, which moves worked, which moves didn't work. You would have to get in street fights. And uh, not only mm. is that illegal, but incredibly dangerous <laughs> because, you know, you don't know what anybody's carrying at any given time or mm -hmm. how many friends they have. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, since MMA has become so popular, we live in an age where we can actually go to a place and somebody might even pay you uh, to, to test out your martial arts. Um, so I had a lot of fun kind of uh, trimming the fat, so to speak, of, of martial arts moves that I thought worked or that I thought worked for me, but don't. And you end up developing kind of like your own individual brand, individual style of martial art that's unique to you. And uh, what, what, what I teach now is, is stuff, you know, that I know works so that I can be confident that my kids can defend themselves. But at the same time, we start, we throw in the spice of the fun stuff to keep them entertained and, and uh, gravitated towards the martial arts. Got it. What are your methods to help your kids learn while having fun? Well, when it comes to teaching kids, uh, you want to make sure that they're that they're getting the stuff that they come to martial arts for. You know, very few kids get into martial arts because they want to be UFC champion of the world. That's, that's you know, parents bring their kids to martial arts because they want their kids to be able to defend themselves. But kids come to martial arts because they like ninjas. They like power. <laughs> they like three ninjas. You know what I mean? Um, so what the goal is is to kind of give them what they need uh, to become competent self-defense style martial artists, but also give them what they want. So what I've done is I've come up with a curriculum um, where we've thrown away, you know, more traditional things like forms um, mm. and we replaced them with kickboxing combinations that you would see in like uh, UFC or glory kickboxing, stuff like that. Um, combinations that I've used in the cage myself so that I know that they personally work. And giving kids a curriculum so that they know what is expected of them allows them to uh, really work on the stuff that might not be as fun for them so that they can get to the stuff that is. So when I have uh, a kid who is supposed to learn four combinations, you can say to them, hey, the quicker you learn your combinations, the quicker we can get through them in class, and the quicker we can get to learning how to use nunchucks or something <laughs> like that. And you'd be surprised at how many kids can learn a 17 count combination very quickly if they just get to hold a samurai sword. <laughs> I mean, that is very enticing though, so I don't blame them. <laughs> well, I, I, guess, I guess you can say in a rudimentary sense, it's very, it's very carrot and stick, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you give them, you say, hey, you give me what I need and then I give you what you need. And that's pretty much how life works. Obviously with the school, do you provide like nutrition um, facts or like do you talk to the parents and their kids about what, um, what their meal should look like for them to have a, a good class or a good day? You know, it's very hard to offer nutrition, nutrition advice in any real sense uh, when it comes mm -hmm. to dealing with, you know, 50 or 60 kids, mm -hmm. um, mainly because... Uh, my job is to be a martial arts coach and to teach somebody martial arts. Um, being a mentor on top of that is, is kind of like the, 
the burden you bear, but mm -hmm. you don't want to necessarily give kids advice that they, that they can't um, take into account, mainly because, mm -hmm. you know, kids aren't making their own stuff. They're really not making their own nutrition. And it's not my job to step on the, on the toes of the parents because, you know, we have parents in different, um, you know, they, they make different amounts of money. Mm -hmm. um, they have different living situations. They have different cultures. Um, so providing, I find that providing nutrition advice um, in the way that I would, I would receive it for like fighting or, you know, overall nutrition um, tends to be more of a burden than anything else. Uh, if parents want that, I'm definitely more than happy to talk to them about it. Uh, but as far as just a car blanche uh, nutrition outline for the kids, I find that's going to do a little bit more harm than good, if that makes sense. Oh, no, that, that's good. No, I, I've always wondered that, you know. I've never been to a martial arts school, but I always genuinely wonder that. So thank you. Um, what does a day for you look like when you're at the gym? Um, well, I... Being a martial arts teacher is a lot about making people realize that you're a good teacher, mm. more so than actually teaching. Um, so when I get into um, when I get into the gym in the morning, my job is to be the most exciting, uh, or to make martial arts the most exciting thing in the world, uh, not only for the kids at night but the people out there on the internet. So that's why when you follow me, uh, you get on like my various social medias, you get a lot of like cool weapons work, you get a lot of cool kickboxing stuff, you get a lot of historical knowledge on like where martial arts come from, what new weapons, different stuff like that. Um, so a lot of my day is just putting out content that makes people interested in martial arts uh, interested enough to give me a call and once they give me a call then we can bring them in and make them actual students um, so the majority of my day as a martial arts school owner is just interesting you guys out there in internet land um, that martial arts is cool and you want to do it <laughs> um, but it, like on a more personal sense you know especially since we're training for a fight nowadays um, wake up at about seven uh, go for a little jog with the pup um, do a little bit of cardio, um, head to work and, uh, and do a little bit of, you know, martial arts business stuff, little content creation, little more training, um, with like a boxing coach or whoever I have on the docket then, um, then my students come in, I'm done being a student. My students come in for about four to five hours. I'm teaching classes. And then afterwards, you know, it's dinner and then I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm an old man. I go to bed at like 1030. <laughs> Um, so that I can wake up and do it all again. Uh, mm -hmm. In a nutshell, the answer to your question is, though as glamorous as it looks, uh, there is a there is basic uh, there's a huge routine involved in being a professional martial artist. No, that's <laughs> that's fair. It's a lot of the same thing. <laughs> I do have a question though. Uh, now with this routine that you have <laughs> it sounds like it is pretty much martial arts from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed do you still uh do you still act at all do you still audition or is it just now nothing but martial arts for you um well martial arts has always been my first my first love um and even mm. when i married my wife you know i just i always joked because we got married in utah that she's she's in a polygamist relationship or um in a sense that like, I'm also married to martial arts. Um, <laughs> so 
uh, martial arts is what I do for a hobby. It's what I do for a living and it's what I do with what I love. So I'm very fortunate to be able to do it for that. As far as acting goes, um, I'm definitely open to uh, do auditions, to uh, do parts and stuff like that. Um, I find that most of my childhood uh, consisted of going on audition after audition after <coughs> audition on a daily basis. Um, so I, I'm a bit tired of that audition process. Um, I am happy to audition for projects that are interesting to me. But, you know, as far as like going out for the next chewing gum commercial or, you know, <laughs> right. I, I, I'm not really, that doesn't strike me as, as a fun thing to do. I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. Um, so the answer is yes, I still act. Um, obviously, I act okay. a fool every day on the internet. Uh, if you follow me on TikTok, <laughs> I still act. Um, oh, those are fun. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, but uh, as far as like actually auditioning very regularly, um, I've grown kind of wary of that. Mm. Which is fair. Um, do you have a motto that you live by if you have one? Um, you know, a good motto would be um, no guts, no glory would be uh, on the plaque that's over the entrance to my gym. Um, you know, to get anything, uh, to get anything great, you have to attempt greatness. And I think that's what a lot of people fall short of when they when they're looking to reach their goals whatever those goals might be mm. is they're so they're so afraid of failing that they're not going to try to have something and mm. you you got you got to go out there and you got to act like a fool um in order to get what you want and if you think you're going to look cool the entire time you do something you're not um it's hard to look cool when you fall on your face and it's going to happen a lot uh so probably no bets no glory that's a good one. I've never or, heard of that one. Or I ain't so afraid of losing that I ain't going to try having something. I think that's a firefly line. That was a good one. <laughs> Sorry, I hate the lightning round. Um, right. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would it be? Three people, dead or alive. Okay. Um, I would have dinner with Bruce Lee. Um, I would have dinner with uh nikolai tesla and i would have dinner with um morgan spurlock bruce lee for like the whole martial arts thing obviously it'd be fun to kind of chat about him um i have a feeling that bruce lee was a lot more low-key and cool than a lot of people uh, see him as like uh, sort of like a, a god or a saint. Um, when it comes to Morgan Spurlock, um, I just like his I like his approach to um, propagandizing and uh, sort of pseudo docudrama films. And I would like to pick his brain on how he decided to kind of jump into that and and manipulate that um, that kind of medium for his purpose and to our entertainment. And uh, Nikolai Tesla, I have a feeling, would be a very boring dinner uh, because of, of how uh, introverted I've read that he was. But it would be interested to get him started on that whole feud with Thomas Edison and see how angry I can get him and how much and how much for him to reveal. <laughs> oh my God, that's that's good. <laughs> um, if you could have one superpower, now you can definitely make one up. What would it be? Uh, superpower. I've, 
always loved Spider-Man growing up. Um, I think that a, a, so like a like a like a tinsel strength the way Spider-Man has that's kind of like lean muscle that has that's that's super strong and agile. Um, I always thought would be really cool. Um, I think that I can win a lot of MMA fights um, <laughs> as long as as long as I rein it back a lot. Which, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> saying it out loud, that's pretty much his origin story. Is that instead of being a superhero, he was a professional wrestler. Um, so I think that I would probably learn the exact same rules and end up having to become a cape vigilante of some sort. Yeah, I, I'd say Spider Man. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live? And bonus, your entire family, all your loved ones can come with you. Can come with me. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Um, gosh, that'd be interesting. My wife and I recently went to Thailand. And uh, I've, been, I've been dreaming about Thailand since I was a young boy, especially being as into Muay Thai as I was. Um, and when I got there... It, it, it's it's a beautiful place, but definitely a, a place you want to visit. Um, mm. I feel like a lot of places that shoot into my mind right now of living anywhere kind of feel a lot like that, where where I'm I'm in love with an aspect of it, but I'm not in love with it as a whole. Mm. Um, honestly, mm. I live in Utah currently, and. When I first got here, it was a little bit off kilter. It was a little bit weird, especially coming from Los Angeles. But now that I've lived here as long as I have, I mean, the vistas are beautiful. Every, every, uh, you can, you can go anywhere and see beautiful snow or rock climbing. Um, and it's not overpopulated, but it's not like a super small city. So you get like the metropolitan, but you also get rural. Um, I'm pretty content with, with where I am and, uh, and bonus if I got to bring all of my family from all around the world here. I mean, I just saved a whole bunch of money in Christmas strips. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So with quarantine or self-isolation in effect, what can you tell us is your favorite TV series or movie that we should definitely be watching? Oh God. You know, much to the chagrin of my own wife, I am like a, I am like a fiend for police procedurals and periodicals. Um, I, I love a good murder mystery. Um, and I have binged watched Bones on Hulu. Like oh. it's like, like an 80 year old woman. <laughs> and I am not proud to say this, but I, loved that show it was so much fun um with that being said though um we are having a lot of fun watching handmaiden's tale i think that you should definitely watch yeah. handmaiden's tale um in especially when you're in self-isolation and quarantine um you know because of uh because of the, that kind of pseudo feeling of government telling you what to do and being oppressed and stuff uh, stuff like that it, it's kind of a fun watch because you can see uh, how those kind of government extremes um, can, how far that kind of government extreme can go. Um, another uh, television show in that same vein is Man in the High Castle. Uh, that's on oh. Amazon Prime. Um, that's a good one. And if we're talking about Amazon Prime, why don't you go ahead and watch my movie for free? It's called The Sensei, and it's awesome. 
we're, we're definitely going to go do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have Amazon Prime, so that's exciting. Perfect. Um, are you a coffee or tea person? Sweet. Oh, I, I think I'm equally both. Um, I like, I like both of them cold. I'm not a hot beverage person. Um, but I am definitely, I'm definitely both. I don't know if that's cheating. No. Uh, (laughs) I like a good iced green iced, or excuse me, iced green tea. Um, a lot of a lot of places won't serve it to you like that, and you have to be like, just bring me the hot tea and a glass of ice. Not that big of a deal. <laughs> um, I, I just find that I don't like hot beverages. So you could give me ice, you could give me coffee, you could give me tea, as long as it's iced, I'm happy. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's an interesting take. I've never, yeah. I mean, it's true though. Ice green tea is delicious. She knows, <laughs> and even in the winter, I'll get iced coffee in the winter. You should see my Starbucks drive-through when they look at me all weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, totally judging you. <laughs> but like you sure <laughs> i know like are you having a stroke no. <laughs> like, low-key, low-key. i think they'd be judging you sometimes though like they I, i've ha- i've had that happen a couple times i feel like they'd be judging yeah. oh of course like why are you getting that <laughs> calm down starbucks they, yeah they probably are something judging. cold in the winter <laughs> it's right. science if you drink something cold in the winter, your body raises its core temperature to heat it up, and you end up warmer than you would if you had a hot beverage. That's just science. There you go. You guys didn't know that. Now you know. Look at that. Boom. Bill Mike, the science ranger. <laughs> um, now, this question might be the obvious answer, but I'm going to ask, are you a Marvel or DC person? Pretty, it's pretty uh, simplistic to say that it's Marvel. Um, I love DC. I feel like they have a lot of good characters. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, I discovered Marvel Series 2 trading cards. And I got an allowance of like $1 a week. And we would go to the liquor store and purchase a, uh, a packet of Marvel cards every week. And I got the entire collection and the uh, collector's edition three-ring binder sitting in my martial arts office it's the first thing that i really committed to and saw through as a young as a young man and uh so it's kind of like a symbol that's in my office right now and it's always been a big part of part of my uh life and my love so oh wow marvel definitely oh wow that's amazing um if you could be one h forever what age would you be and now i'm talking like physically you could be that age but mentally you could continue to develop and grow and expand okay okay that's a good question um so when uh, not to answer the question with the question it's probably against lightning round rules no, if, no. If, I, if i choose this age i'm i'm there forever right like, so a, like your physical body would be there forever okay i would probably choose about 28 years old i feel like i was at the peak at my athletic peak at about 28 years old. Um, You know, I think most people hit their athletic peak at about 21. I think I was too stupid at 21 (laughs) to be athletically peaking. Um, So only until I really buckled down and and hit about 28. Um, So I think 28 year old me with, uh, with 37 year old me's mind uh, would do a lot of damage. (laughs) Mm. Um. My last question would be, what would you want your legacy to be? Oh, man. You know, I just, 
I want my legacy to be just people to see that I loved everybody that I could and, uh, and that I gave as much as I, as I took. Um, I think that, you know, when, when you're in your younger years, uh, you're more apt to be a much, a much more selfless or self, uh, ish person, more selfish. And, uh, you're prone to, to act in ways that you, you regret in your, in your later years. Um, and I feel like sometimes your thirties and early forties can be recompensed for um, how you acted when when you were younger, and uh, I just I just hope that I did I do more good than than evil, uh, and leave this world a better place uh, than I arrived in it in. Mm-hmm. Do do you ever keep in contact with any of the um, of the uh, fellow kid rangers? Um, well, young Tommy was uh, was like one of my best friends uh, on the set, and for a few years afterwards, we trained martial arts together. Um, we'd see each other on auditions and stuff like that. But you know, uh, it's one of the more common questions that I get, especially at comic cons, mm. is whether I keep in touch with like all the other Power Rangers or the kids from Three Ninjas or or anything like that, um, and usually the best way to describe this is you know you probably don't keep in touch with the people you first worked with at your first job and it's not because you didn't like it it's just because you know when you're off doing different things having having different family dinners and and doing different jobs you just you just tend to lose touch mm-hmm. um i would love to see them again uh, i do think that you know power morphicon or a ranger stop should definitely take the extra effort in uh, in bringing that that entire cast together for a reunion, um, we, we, it would be really fun. But uh, no, unfortunately, we don't talk on a very regular occasion. Yeah, okay. that's fair. Um, is there any future projects that we can look forward to coming from you? Yeah, um, I'm working on a few different um, a few different kind of reality based show projects. Um, one involving weapons. Um, we recently did. Uh, a show for Oxygen Network about uh, all a group of uh, female fighters um, and a, a weapons-based show for the History Channel. Um, we, these are all like in production, so we really can't get into details about them. But they're they're a lot of fun, so you can definitely look out for those. Um, as as I mentioned, the Sensei is a great uh, martial arts movie with a message to it. It's uh, you can get it now streaming on Amazon Prime and Fandango. Um, obviously I do a lot of fun work on social media, so make sure that you follow me there because you'll see a lot of cool, uh, historical weapons content as well as like cool tricks and generally me acting like an idiot, which, you know, is always fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since you, um, mentioned your social media, could you let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, I'm on TikTok as uh, Big Bang Mike, um, Big Bang Mike underscore on Twitter as well as Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Big Bang Mike Rocks, um, and uh, I think that's it. Oh, and I have a YouTube page, just Michael Lasky for YouTube. Um, pretty much, if you type my name into Google, you're gonna find a whole smorgasbord of stuff. Um, mm. Feel free to follow; it's a good fun. Nice. Well. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time out to no uh, to come and join us and talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, when it comes to self isolation, I just think that it, uh, that the best 
uh, advice that I can give is oddly as an atheist comes from the Bible um, is that idols ha idle hands are the devil's playthings. Um, if you sit too much and, and let the grass grow around you, it's going to eventually cover you up. Um, so make sure that you're staying active, um, that you're consuming media that's not all negative and, uh, and you're having fun, uh, whether it be, you know, via video chats or podcasts or um, just interacting with people. Uh, it's very easy to kind of hermit yourself and uh, not really uh, branch out there and, and talk to anybody. But we live in a digital era where communication is, is uh, easier than ever before. So make sure that you're reaching out to people. And if you're wondering how somebody is, uh, don't just wonder, give them a call, because you'd be surprised at, at uh, how good it is to hear your own voice. Well, All right, you take care. well thank you for joining us today. My, my name is Brandon. I am Lena. I'm Will. And we will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.